everyone. Welcome to another session of Parallel Barking. Woof, woof. My name is Larry Becker, and I'm here with Little Woof. Bark, bark, Ariana. Hello, She's everyone. you got a bigger bark than I do, but but there you go. You, <laughs> um, today, um, I we are, we are delighted to do just a little segment on the midterm elections. And normally, we don't do elections or politics, but since this became the the CW telenovela of the last six weeks, uh, and since we can't resist telenovelas, melodramas, and made-for-TV movies with every kind of stereotype on earth, uh, we want to spend at least a couple of minutes. But first, a shout out to our listeners. Thank you so much for your comments uh, and your feedback, and for the person who will remain unidentified uh, who wrote us a poem. Thank you. We loved it. Uh, keep them coming. If you've got suggestions, please send them our way. We'd love to talk about what you want to hear. Ta-dam, bum. All right, midterms. So um, I, you, you really do sometimes wonder uh, about the press. So everyone, this reminds me of the 2016 election with Mr. Trump, where the, the press uh, manages popular excitement or expectation. Uh, about a, what is it called? I get the colors mixed up. A repulse. I'm going to use the, the party name. Okay. Uh, blue, okay. blue is the D. Red is the R. Yeah, but it makes no sense because red is the color of, of the Marxist-Leninist. So you'd think that a lot- That's what I thought. I thought it should be switched. Blue is the color of, of the right. Yeah. So it makes absolutely no sense. Uh, but, but there you go. Uh, but in a way it does make sense because it does suggest- uh, in harmony with the nature of American politics uh, for the last, I don't know how many years, uh, it's completely incoherent. And to some extent, uh, it it has a rationality all its own. I'll just put it that way. Anyway, so there's supposed to be a big Republican wave. They were going to capture everything but the presidency, but that's okay because the president, well, that's a different podcast. We won't go into that for the moment. God bless him. <laughs> um, May his anyway. Uh, I'm, I'm really Damn. not going down that road. Um, so, but the wave didn't didn't. Um, uh, you know, you want to know what they were calling it, which is ridiculous. They were the calling wave. it the name? red wave. All right, people, and you want to know why I have a problem with this? Oh, because it reminds you of the red sargasso algae that uh, invades Florida beaches and makes it impossible to swim. Oh, you are being so PC right now. No, oh, it reminds me, women, women. Oh, no, no, here. no, we're not going there. That's X-rated. But I hear you. I hear you. Flows are flows. And this is supposed to be one that indicates. Where no is their PR manager here? Like who, who got on their soapbox and said, yes, girl, let's call this nasty. the red wave. That is just nasty. Red anyway, wave is a coming. Well, whether whatever it is, red, white, seaweed, or a reminder about the inherent gender. P.S. people, bias. he is walking away from his mic right now because he is I did, I did. I just, you know, it was, I. I <laughs> He's a <laughs> terrible, terrible podcast. I am. <laughs> Uh, and by the way, this is the only possible way that that one can react to American elections right now with a little bit of whimsy and a lot of laughter, uh, because otherwise things just get too intensely bizarre. Uh, so the the red wave didn't even turn into a red ripple. 
and I don't mean the um, the alcoholic beverage made from grapes of choice among uh, people in college, at least back when I was in college. Uh, not a red ripple, not a red anything. They may, they may, they may, the Republicans may, may, may hold on to the House. Uh, they certainly have lost the Senate, except, right? Um, and so everyone is talking about this, and there are a number of points I'm going to raise, but I want to hear what you have to say first, except, and, and I'm going to foreshadow here, it's always a mistake in the U.S. to focus solely on the federal government. Everyone loves to do it because uh, we're all trained in hierarchy, and the higher up you are, the, the more, you know, everyone loves to uh, hang out at higher nodes of power. But in the U.S., power it does not just reside in Washington. It resides in Austin. It resides in Atlanta. Uh, it resides in Florida. Yeah, a lot of the most meaningful change happens at the local level. At the local, at the at the state level, especially the big states. So, but what's your take? No Republican wave. We're still stuck with uh, the stasis that we have, for good or ill. Um, she's speechless. You know, she is speechless. Red or blue wave, it's a big whatever to me. Well, um, you know, if you combine them, you get purple, and then we can you, have a royalty. Could. We can we can have Harry and Meghan. What I was impressed by, I I think, was the Gen Z turnout, and I think that's probably what what made the difference in this Ooh, yeah by the way to the gen z representative in florida which just shows you yes. that you you would be absolutely out of your mind to continue to believe that uh the uh politics is being driven in new york and california that's so boomer uh politics is now being driven i suspect uh in florida may well what's left of Oregon Oregon may split which is uh that was actually the most interesting thing about the midterms the the secession votes by virtually half of the state of Oregon but Gen Z is coming up and that was in Florida not in New York that's not fair to say it's being driven by Gen Z because the majority of the districts were still red and of a a different generation but you can definitely see change happening you can, you can, and soon the boomers will be sitting and writing nasty letters to the editor of the local newspaper about cracks in their sidewalks. Hooray. I can't wait. I can't wait. Well, of course you can't wait. <laughs> well, what else? Where are your letters to me about, you know, why cracks my room is... I can't sue you for cracks in the sidewalks, so why should I write you? Oh, well... Where are you going? Why? This is the first time you have ever walked away while we are on what is going well, Because on top of everything else, I'm multitasking and my dog insists on going in and out of the house and it's freezing. Okay. Well, it is parallel barking. So I It is I parallel understand. barking. So we got the third. Actually, the, the dog may make for better commentary on this than you or I. Oh, okay. I mean, All right, I... so what else? So you got Yen, uh, you've got Gen Z. Yeah. Um, I found a couple of things interesting. Uh, the New York, the Democratic New York governors deal with the devil uh, in the sense that she was running a centrist campaign and almost lost to a relatively centrist Republican, makes a last minute deal with that lady from who rep, who's part of the gang, what's her name, who's become famous for pretending to be left and then hanging out with the 400 in New York. 
AOC, is it? Yes, it's. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she made a deal with the devil. I love, I love people. It, it reminds me of Pablo Neruda, our uh, resident uh, Marxist-Leninist poet, um, who could, uh, who, who liked the solitariness of the island he owned. But um, th those are kind of. Uh, he was a good poet. He was, he was. And and AOC is a great politician and she's going to want payback. So New York is going to be a very interesting place. Um, it probably should have gone um, red. Uh, it remains blue, but New York is now so, but New York has always been so factionally divided uh, among the 4,000 uh, political tribes that inhabit that space that it, that would be interesting. Um, but the, the big interesting things for me were uh, Florida, New York. Um, Arizona was, and I'll, I'll get to Arizona in a second, but Florida, New York. And the reason for that goes to the bigger insight. And uh, if I were a Republican, the big thank you to the Democratic Party. And that is where the Republicans did well, Mr. Trump was irrelevant. Where the Republicans yeah. did poorly, Mr. Trump and his cookie cutter group of people who wanted to play in the Republic while they were saying that the Republic is now dead uh, and structurally uh, illegitimate, they that did not play well. Uh, and of course, in retrospect, you'd have to sit and scratch your head and go, oh, isn't it obvious that if you're running for an election within a Republic and your campaign is that the electoral system is uh, a sham and the republic is broken that people are likely to say well then why are you running and maybe i should vote for someone who's more invested in the system even if i despise them uh at least they're there it's my system and and we're voting for it those people did not do well uh mr trump went after mr kemp uh in georgia the georgia republicans uh rallied around uh, the Georgia version of republicanism. They were very kind to Mr. Trump the way I am kind to a uh, 97-year-old um, who is harmless, uh, although he wasn't harmless there. And of course, Mr. DeSantis, um, who is now again uh, reelected as a governor of the state that Mr. Trump calls home, and Mr. Trump are barely on speaking terms now because right. it's it, <laughs> but, you know, and Florida, that's why Florida is the most interesting state. And, and of course, he beat uh, in Georgia. Let me finish Georgia and then do Florida. Um, this was a big, Georgia was yes. going to be the big red to blue. Georgia was weird for me. No, it was perfectly understandable for me. What? Uh, I think, in a sense. Um, it's again, maybe the face of America. So you've got two Democratic senators and you've got a Republican governor. There's a split, but most of them are tending not out to the edges, but more comfortably towards the center. Um, you know, the, the big rematch between Stacey Abrams and, and, um, and Mr. Kemp, both of them playing, you know, a, a kind of left version and a right version of roughly close to the center by the way we judge these things. Uh, but it was very clear that that Mr. Kemp, the minute a Republican sounds reasonable in this era, which is just so odd, um, uh, his or her ability to do well is better. And, and of course, um, Stacey Abrams' problem wasn't her campaign or her ideas. The problem was that 
what she was advocating would have resonated better before the recession and before inflation than after. And she didn't pivot enough uh, in the face of rapidly changing conditions on the ground, especially for Georgians who are worried about the price of gasoline, the price of daycare, the price of food. Uh, and there wasn't a, enough of a pivot there. Uh, the Georgia senatorial race is, I don't know what to say. It's, it's, that's going to be very interesting to see what happens in December. Uh, it was too close to call. And that's um, what I'm saying is what I'm having a problem with. Oh, the, the crazy times in the, the senatorial, because the, the gubernatorial election was was actually, that was a nice and if all elections were like that, we we would really be in a happy place. Yeah, that was fine. Now, win or lose, it's great. And you would have been satisfied, although somewhat grumpy, depending on whether your candidate won or lost, you would have been satisfied with either one. Hooray. You know, that's the mark of a relatively stable consensus-based polity. But yeah, the... <laughs> the yeah, let's explain to our listeners. We yeah. have two candidates, one's name... Is Herschel Walker, who's a Republican candidate, right? Who was um, most famous for being a uh, a star football player back in his college days, and the other one is the Reverend Warnock. Yeah. Um, a um, uh, uh, and both of them, of course, are African American, um, and the campaign was actually quite odd. Um, it, it, I guess for like three nanoseconds, they were actually talking about the issues. And then for virtually the rest of the campaign, uh, they were basically, it was a, it was a, a, a kind of nasty, personal, vicious, and not directly for the most part, but because just tens of millions of dollars from outside were being poured in. And so now my, my only editorial comment here is, it seems to me kind of funny that the uh, citizens of Georgia are now treated because of all of this influx of money. This is a, a problem all over the U.S., but right, we complain when the Chinese and now the the, the people in the, the Gulf states uh, come in and try to tip uh, an election by interfering with the way in which uh, locals, in this case the U.S., uh, uh, engages in the process of politics debate, however nasty it is, uh, in selecting their, their candidates. And yet we have absolutely no problem with people in Idaho or New York uh, blowing, and not just individuals, but uh, large um, collective organizations, the purpose of which is to interfere in elections, uh, to swoop down from New Hampshire or New York or Nevada uh, or wherever, um, uh, the the 7th the seventh circle of hell, as long as it's in the U.S. Yes, in uh, the then, U.S. And, and then spend the money, and then spend money to try to convince uh, the people of Georgia uh, about what it is that they should be dealing with when they are considering uh, people to represent them and their interests, not the interests of these collectives in Idaho or New York or Texas or Illinois uh, for their. But this as is the long thing that the as it's to U.S. To. money. Bought with from a U.S. No, I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't dirt. care about the money. I mean, you know, poor. If if you're idiot enough to want to pour all of you know fifty million of the fifty one million dollars you have into an election in Georgia, uh, and you're a Georgian with respect to Georgia politics, you know that's that's cool. 
but we really maybe ought to be having a, a national conversation about this kind of thing. To some extent, in, in its most abusive way, it's interference. To another extent, um, we have prided ourselves on saying that there's no territorial limitation to the generation and consideration of ideas. But if that's the case, then what's the problem with a, a bunch of Russians and Chinese coming and saying, look, from our perspective, we really love candidate X instead of candidate Y. Right. But we're going to draw the line at national borders, but not at state borders. Uh, and yet the the and we do that because they're two different countries and their interests will be very different. But on the other hand, the interests of the people in New York may not be exactly the same as the interests of the people in Georgia, which is why we have representatives of Georgia and New York go and duke it out in Congress. Yeah, which is really if funny because why do we have different laws in different states if if oh we're, that's if we're well, allowed that's right. to that's finance right. agreed know. agreed 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 yeah so that that was a problem in, in Georgia so we'll see how uh, the 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 Warnock uh, Walker thing turns out it'll be interesting and of course Florida Florida is mostly interesting because you have and I think he's a Yale graduate. Um, the, the current governor of uh, Florida. You have someone who is a quite strategically, uh, consciously talented person whose views the uh, press organs of the Northeast liken to Mr. Trump's, but they really aren't. Um, because of course, press people like to say things before they go to the trouble of reading. Uh, and you and I have done a couple of things on, on Florida and the podcast. Mm -hmm. They're very different. They're very conservative, but they're very different. And I suspect that if he is able to, with the help, and this is my last point, and then we can talk about other things, um, with the, the help of the Democrats, if he can bury Mr. Trump, uh, the uh, 2024 elections are going to be much, 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 much more interesting than if we have oh, God help us, the battle of the geriatric dinosaurs in 2024. Um, and I won't name names, but you, you kind oh, of- Oh, oh, yeah, is, I, I have no like, idea. Like, yeah, this is like Godzilla and Megalon uh, being helped by their nurses because their arthritis is killing them and they need their, um, their cognition pills uh, going off and having yet another death match. Tokyo is too much of a pain because the buildings are are difficult to knock down. So they're going to have to do it in some tent city somewhere. Yeah, they'll um, just trip over something. And, uh, and, and, and then break a hip and then sue whoever it was. Yeah. So hopefully no, SNL already did a skit that al alluded to this. So oh if, if you God. haven't seen it yet, then. Yeah, no, I got to do it. So, so Florida is interesting. But Florida is also interesting because it's 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 a much more complicated thing than and than what the press is painting. Americans love binaries, black and white, conservative, liberal, Republican, Democrat. But Florida shows you that you can elect a Gen Z person of uh, unspecified political views that may not fit neatly between traditional boomer left and right um, uh, categories. At the same time that they've reelected Marco Rubio, who is a nice country club Republican mm -hmm. and DeSantis, who is the next wave and young enough. He's not a boomer. He's a millennial, I guess, or pre-millennial, but he's not a boomer. Um, and in the next wave. So we'll see that that that's actually very interesting uh, for what's going on. The Democrats, of course, um, are also they have their uh, 
not their red wave, but what's deeper red than red, uh, the the much more Bernie Sanders-ish, um, although he's also a geriatric and, and thinks in ideological terms from the old Soviet era, but you can't help but be contextually imprisoned in your own history. Um, sorry. DeSantis is Gen X, by the way. Okay. Oh, shouldn't he be having coffee somewhere and deciding that uh, work and ambition are not worth it? Because he's yeah, what, what, what the happened? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he missed that. He he didn't get the memo for for Gen X. But anyway, so that's that's what I got. And of course, that leaves Mr. Trump. But I want to hear what you have to say. You've got Nevada and Arizona, yep. uh, interesting uh, cases, and of course the abortion things. Yeah, I want to. I spent just a couple of minutes on abortion as well. Right. Um, Arizona, I was not surprised about because I was expecting it to um, move toward the Democratic. Um, right. But that was, yeah, that was that was a circus of, of weirdness, especially since uh, what most people, especially in the press, don't want to talk very much about is the rightward movement of Latinos. Um, it's no longer a block. Uh, one of the things that wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. Latinos have always been not left, right. They're moving right. No, I've always felt like it's been on the right. Well, no, well, no, because you've been you've been hanging out with too many Cubans. Uh, <laughs> okay, I was gonna say maybe in the Cuban community. In the Cuban community, and, he, and the Cuban community is moving slightly leftward. Uh, but the the rest of the um, the Latino community is is not moving right in the sense of being a block, but you're seeing much much more variegation, and you're seeing the growth of a Republican wing of Latino voters, especially in border states, uh, which the, the the Democrats have always been. Um, there's, it's, it's kind of ethno racist the way the they've always accused the Republicans of being. They're no better. Uh, thinking that uh, because Democrat, because Latinos are usually your gardener or some small shop owner and who are just so grateful that the Democrats have allowed them in, uh, that they're going to be reliably Democrat, no matter how bizarrely uh, disjunctive the Democratic social programs may be from deeply held beliefs. And now that they're discovering that as generations of Latinos come in, uh, and become deeply embedded in American society, small shop owners, developing communities, uh, that they're going to exhibit the same variation uh, in, in uh, approaches to what they, how they view their America uh, as everyone else. And that's something that I think the Democrats are not prepared for, and it's going to come and bite them. Uh, unless the Republicans do what they always do, which is to um, shoot themselves in the leg uh, by not taking advantage of, of what they see. Although it looks like um, the Latino Republicans may be going their own way and developing their, you know, their Republican structures, irrespective of whatever it is uh, the crazies uh, are doing on the other side of the Republican tent. But that, that you know, you wonder therefore, uh, whether the problem in Arizona was the choice of candidate. Uh, they were certainly, um, how shall we say, memorable uh, in, in terms of them. 
Nevada was also interesting for that respect. Wait, what? which way did not wait? I don't remember which way did did Nevada go. I did think it? Nevada is going blue. Is it? Yeah, I have to double check. You should double check. But I I need to ask you because it's so close to home. Secession, secession. <laughs> no one liked it when South Carolina seceded, uh, but that was they were moving outside the U.S. But uh, and it was somewhat underreported. But apparently, half the state of Oregon is now looking to secede from the the. You know, we talk about the the Trump Looney Tunes, but we we really don't talk about the the left Looney Tunes as well. Uh, this is America, and Looney Tunes are equally distributed along the political spectrum. God love them. Um, but Portland is is a great example of what happens when uh, your ideology blinds you to the reality on the ground, uh, especially when you're tripping over it uh, because of conditions on the ground. And as I understand it, um, there are uh, a number, a significant number of counties in eastern Oregon who now have voted to uh, leave Oregon and become part of, I guess it's going to be called Greater Idaho or something. Oh, yeah, that was a thing. That is a, that not was, is. Um, there is precedent for this, of course. As you recall, West Virginia was born out of, what was it, eight or nine counties that used to be, uh, from the time of the establishment of, of the Republic, part of Virginia. And they held a convention and they did all this stuff and Congress approved it. So you can find a, a uh, enough of a legal bandage or a, a legal bridge to make this possible if people work hard enough. Uh, and so we can realign borders. I'm wondering whether it's going to happen in Western Washington as well. Oh, you think? I mean, I have no idea. But certainly the the divide, those what is it, the Cascades up there? Yes. The divide between what, what falls on the western and eastern side of the Cascades is just now apparently something that that normal discourse can't bridge. I mean, isn't it just the normal talk now of just seceding? They're voting. They're voting. They're voting, and these will have consequences. We've been told by everyone on earth, except Mr. Trump, who doesn't believe that voting means what it says. We've been told by everyone else that voting is significant and it means something and expresses popular will and blah, blah, blah. Well, you can't go and, and lecture Mr. Trump about this and then go and tell the good people of uh, Eastern Oregon, oh, we didn't, we just meant it for him uh, in that context in 2020, but that's not you. Uh, and so y'all can go and do these fake election things, but they're going to have no meaning. I mean, you're right. This November, the two conservative counties in Oregon will vote on ballot measures that would, I mean, they would change the map. Right. So the question is now, if they've got popular referenda in these counties that already indicated a, a, a substantial popular will to do this, would they be able to do what West Virginia did? Uh, oh, even though that was in the middle of the war between the states, would they be able to host some kind of constitutional convention with the people in Idaho and then develop some kind of, of program, you'd still need the approval of Congress. Uh, and with a Democratic Congress, it may not happen, but the possibility exists. So that's kind of cool. Well, yeah, especially because it's, I mean, this whole thing is driven from a movement of an intense feeling of isolation from the other... From Portlandia? From 
from the other liberal movement. Right. And and that's really the sad thing, because you're now to the point where the minute you brush someone, you paint someone with the brush of liberalism or conservatism, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden what that what that is, it, it's now a euphemism for uh, we've got nothing to say to each other. Right. That's, that's how, how it is in in the government now. That's just how everything uh, is. It's a pity. It's a pity. But we can't we can't leave the election without talking about abortion. So what role do you think abortion played in all of this? Or the abortion decision, I guess, is the, which was a big boom. I mean, in, in there were laws in, on. Well, uh, no, and having many people ballots. decide. Well, you know, I hate the Democrat, but the Republican has already told me that I don't control my body. So even though I hate the Democrat, I'm going to vote for the Democrat. Oh, and there were many, many who were thinking, if I vote this person in, then I will no longer have control or it it increases the chances that it will lead to laws on or you know bills on the docket that will make it harder for me to get access to things that i need and since the sterilization of, of irresponsible males is not on the on any political radar then it's kind of lopsided Thank I know you. what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking, Jones. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I know not everybody knows that there had been a um, birth control pill in development for men, um, but it was stopped because men felt uncomfortable. That's right. And <laughs> you know how easy it is to make a male feel uncomfortable especially when you can make a female uncomfortable much easier than much you can. easier. I mean, women can make it. Let's be real. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's clear that women were signaling to some extent and probably even conservative women. It's like, you know, it, it is possible for someone to say, look, I personally abhor abortion, but at the same time, I understand what my sisters feel and who knows what circumstances are and why should I, you know, for for 10,000 years, this is something that women took care of. And, you know, this this is not men's business. And now here we go again. We had a moment where we could kind of deal with this. It may have been excessive, but we could deal with it. And now, you know, please, uh, what does it get out of my face? Kind of thing. But in the process, of course, and this is sort of the little point I was going to make, the Republicans missed an extraordinary opportunity to diffuse this, an extraordinary opportunity. Whether it would have worked or not, I don't know, because the, I was going to say idiots, but I, I don't want to be judgmental, because the strategists, that's what I was looking for, the strategists who plotted the, the, uh, uh, the, the Republican campaigns in a general election, we're not talking about the, um, the, uh, the primaries, but in a general election, apparently, I don't know who they were talking to. Maybe they were talking to their navels. Uh, just misses. So, so here's the point. When the abortion decision came out, it was very clear that only people who didn't read the opinion understood it as an opinion that now bans abortion. Mm-hmm. They didn't do that. They were very, very careful. They actually handed the issue to the Republicans on a golden platter. 
because all they said was, look, we had a rule that protected abortion. It's too controversial for us. So maybe we shouldn't be dealing with it. So states, you deal with it and you can deal with it any way you want. If the your populations want to enshrine it in your constitution, protecting women's rights to their body and, uh, and, and taking men out of the equation, knock yourselves out. If you want to go the other way, knock yourself out. But it is internal conversation in the democratic, it's a political and democratic thing rather than a normative and federal constitutional thing. Clearly, for many of us, um, that was not an optimal solution, right? And, and we've had that discussion, but for Republicans who are worried about women who are gonna be very, very angry, that provided a doorway that they could have used to dissipate the argument. And the doorway is very simple. Uh, and it would have been something like this. I don't know what to tell you about the, the normative values. Um, I can tell you what my personal values are, but the Supreme Court has now told us that we have to have a local discussion. And I think we we should, and I respect that in America. And so therefore, I would be at the forefront of I would be at the forefront of this political conversation within the states. And indeed, some states did that, right? They had referendum on either enshrining women's rights or uh, destroying women's rights, and the people spoke. Uh, in, in those issues. If the Republicans had done that, uh, they might have been able to minimize the, the anger voting. And instead, with the, what many of these, I was going to use the term, but I'll say people instead, uh, but what many of these people did, uh, and perhaps because of their strategists, or who knows what the, the reason is, I can't get into their heads, they instead took the normative tag. Well, the Supreme Court has now uh, gotten rid of this at the federal level, so uh, let me tell you what I think should happen. And they started mansplaining. Hey, you know, what are you gonna do? Well, you're gonna vote against them is what you're gonna do. Hey, if, if, if you had a more diverse, I'm just laughing. If you had a more diverse representation, it you could have gotten stuff done. You you could have gotten things done, but you didn't. And I'm really oh, happy to see things uh, turn over a little bit. Kentucky had a nice win. Um, abortion rights were restored. No, exactly right. And Kentucky is not a um, Kentucky is not Vermont. No, it is any stretch. It's not it's a progress. It's not known as a progressive state. It's not known as a progressive state at all. But on the other hand, I mean, people forget, and that it and the thing that you and I just dis discussed over and over again. You know, you can't. We we were long past the time where you can aggregate women and tell them what you think is best for them and then tell them that they don't okay have you're making us over the cows but okay right. go ahead right. Right, right right it's it's long past the time you can do this at some point women especially when you're we're not talking about something general like am i going to build a five-story building next to a school uh, and we're talking about hey i'm coming after the control of your body and you no longer have it because i've now uh, decided for everyone Mm -hmm. Right. That that, you know, if the late 20th century has taught any, anyone anything in this country is that um, we have a huge spectrum of beliefs. And what what we tend to really like is to 
uh, be allowed as maximum amount of space to live those beliefs uh, in the social sphere. And the, the less you're willing to do that, the more dangerous it is for you to run. But anyway, so I just want to make that point. So perfect point. So we're going to have uh, a very interesting Congress coming up. Uh, it will be roughly evenly divided. The Democrats may uh, rule by a hair's breadth, but that's a very dangerous position to be in, especially if you're going to, uh, how shall we say, be exuberant uh, with a, a, a polity that is literally cut in half. And that's going to make the next two years, because the minute this election is over, the new Congress puts in, the presidential election cycle is going to start. And the next two years, so, you know, kiss this election cycle. It's over. It was kind of interesting. Uh, everything is now set for the next two years of probably extraordinarily vicious uh, politicking and hopefully the end of our political cultural revolution. Well, it's just going to be a bunch more theater, a bunch more heads hitting together and nothing getting done because... Right. Well, at least we won't have to pay $150 for a seat in a Steffi theater. Yeah, at least it's free. Well, until we have to pay. Until we have to pay. The decisions. All right, woof, woof. Bark, bark. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. We hope to catch you on the flip side.